Yeah, hello dear listeners of the Education Newscast, another English episode now today. Yeah, uh, who do we have today? Today we have Svenja in the call and uh, it was a pretty coincidence. I, I was doing some some research around EdTech and uh, I found her online and thought, wow, she's doing a lot of great interesting stuff and uh, like she founded LearnSpace has multiple hats on uh, around EdTech. So I thought, hey, perhaps we just chat. And yeah, now we, we just thought we already record this as one of our podcast episodes so that everyone benefits from the discussion because there's a lot of interesting things going on. So Svenja, hi, great that you uh, that you have the time today to talk. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for the invitation. Great, yeah. And we have Christoph also here, my co-pod uh, co host. Hi, Christoph. Good morning, Thomas. Hi, Svenja. Hi, good morning to Hamburg. All right. So, Svenja, perhaps you just could introduce yourself. Uh, what are you doing? What was your journey so far? Of course, yeah. So, um, my name is uh, Svenja. I um, work in education since uh, five or six years now. I have, uh, as you said, multiple hats. <laughs> I started as a, a frustrated student um, sitting in a lecture hall and not really knowing what I was doing and why everything was so top down, why the teaching was uh, was not engaging and I wanted to see how it was done across the globe and how we could teach and learn differently with an, or without technology but I was really curious about the role of technology in, in, in the future of learning so with a friend of mine uh, we took a, a year break and uh, we traveled across the globe um, with the EdTech Tours it's an organization that we created as a kind of a think tank and we went to uh, to lots of different countries and we, we discovered you know, new ways of learning we discovered innovations uh, we met with some uh, trailblazers across the globe working on you know the future of learning it was really really fascinating and so we came back and and then i said okay let's let's do something with this knowledge and uh, and share it and spread it and make sure that uh, it inspires people here in france or in germany or in europe basically and so um and so yeah we we started uh, talking about what we saw we started writing lots of reports and um, i also wrote a book called exploring the future of education um, that maps innovations in Europe. So it's a book focused on Europe, but not only on the in on the Nordics, because everyone thinks the Nordics are uh, the the most innovative. But we also have great innovations coming from uh, Southern or Eastern Europe, and so this book gathers um, the stories of of these innovations. But then, yeah, I continued to travel years after years, uh, one continent at a time, um, and. Um, And now I've, I've, I've traveled 20, 20 countries and, uh, and, and, and yeah, I mapped, I mapped, uh, hundreds and hundreds of innovations across, across the globe. Um, and, um, at some point I, I wanted to start Learn Space, which is a, a consulting company. So now we help schools, universities, but also, large organizations, uh, companies to innovate uh, in the learning space, to learn differently, to help them learn differently, more effectively. Um, so we do a lot of trainings. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really fascinating uh, because we see this as a world in, in, in constant change and people are more and more interested in, 
in, in, in pedagogy rather than technology. And that's a good news because, you know, a technology is a tool. It's not a silver bullet. Uh, we have to think about the why and, and, and what we want to do with this technology. And so we help our clients with um, that, that, that kind of thinking. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, perhaps we, we can look at those two facets, yeah, one on one hand, the attack uh, perspective and what you discovered in your adventures, but also, uh, let's say, learn space, what, what's that about? So regarding your journey, uh, so, so I think if I understand correctly, you, you started in Berlin, right? And now you're, you're based in, in, in Paris. Yes. Or? Exactly. Okay. I was based in Berlin before before starting all my all my travels, and 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 now I'm I'm based in Paris. Yes. Right. Okay. And so, what did you discover basically in your uh, in your journey? So probably a lot of interesting people, of course, <laughs> a lot of interesting business models or approaches. Or could you share some of your your, your most favorite things? What you discovered? Yeah. No, I, I I visited some some really innovative schools. Um, I, I I met some amazing uh, teachers. Uh, obviously, I also met tons of startups uh, and uh, and and building you know great products. But what I really discovered is that first of all, you know, education cannot be um, disrupted. Uh, everyone wants to disrupt education. Everyone wants to. Uh, to find, you know, the, the way to do it differently and, 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 and or build a, a large scale startup that would, you know, <laughs> completely change the world of education. And I think it's not possible because what I learned is that education is so much uh, linked to the context of a specific country, sometimes of a specific region. And so you cannot, you know, there's not one way better than another uh, you know in in education innovation has to come from the bottom uh, and has to come from the users from the teachers the learners themselves and 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 in each country in each region it's different because the context is so so much present because the history because of the the the, the social and economic development um One innovation in France wouldn't be an innovation in the US or one innovation in Africa wouldn't be an innovation for India because they're not at the same development uh, phase. And I'm not only speaking about the economic development, but also in terms of, you know, how education is perceived uh, in Finland, I was really amazed that you know education is perceived like um, like uh, the 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 gold of the nation. It's really uh, it's it's um, for them. It's an investment in the future. They don't have any oil. They don't they don't have any natural resources except a bit of wood. But you know that's limited. So you know, thirty fifty years ago, they decided to invest massively in their education policies um, and in their education system because they wanted it to be you know internationally renowned and exported and uh, it was a real strategy um obviously it worked out for them uh, but you know that's that that's very contextualized because of the context of this particular country so there's not one single tool or one single solution that could you know Uh, that could be good enough for, 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 for the, for the whole education world. I think each situation, each country, each context needs, uh, their own, uh, tools. Um, and we should not forget this. 
So you you make us having really a hard time as SAP as we try always to scale digitally um, across the globe. I think that's really a very important point that you are giving there. For example, I, I saw it in the Caucasian area many years ago, uh, and it was about e-learning. And they said, yeah, what we need is mobile learning because we have kind of mobile devices. It was the pre um, uh, iPhone area and they said we have no hardwired internet connections in our country but we have a very advanced mobile network already there in place and uh, we must find a mobile solution and therefore it's exactly what, what you said every country has its history has its technology level and um, some technologies are just left out because they took the most modern one but this m makes it for um, yeah, learning providers who want to provide knowledge globally um, really hard. Uh, do, do you have any experiences in how you not maybe find the silver bullet, but a common um, way to make a best practice? Mm, it's a good question. You know, I think, uh, first of all, you have to be adaptive. As you said, you have to adapt to any context. A new solution has to be available on multiple types of platforms uh, with multiple, you know, also connection speed or connection access because in some parts of the world, like, you know, in Africa, you don't even have internet access. So most of EdTech solutions there are, you know, available uh, offline. So if, you, if your solution thinks of all of these different contexts and if it stays really close to the users in these different parts of the world, I think you... Yeah, you already have something. <laughs> so, 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 what I see, at least in Germany, but probably also in other countries, is one thing is the national context. So, I absolutely agree. Like the school system is so much different, or university system in the US, for example, or here in Germany. But also, what we see then uh, at, at tech uh, applications. So, it's, there's not this super intergalactic platform like for shopping. We see a lot of small use cases, like a self coaching career app, like a general coaching chatbot, like a coaching platform or, or, or whatever, or like uh, uh, some things we see patterns, like, for example, teaching tech skills, like in boot camps, in online, whatever kind of formats. So, so what do you, what did you discover, let's say, especially in the corporate learning uh, world? So which new fresh ideas, like what were driven by startups or any, mm. anything, what, what your experience, uh, what do you get to share? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, what I see in the corporate uh, world uh, is a, a lot of social learning apps happening and, and being created. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the power of peer-to-peer -peer learning is, is more and more important. So what I see is, you know, um, apps like We Are Peers um, working um, to 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 work on collective intelligence and, and make sure that people can come together on a specific topic, share interns, their knowledge, uh, their experience, um, and, and learn from each other. And these sessions usually last one or, or two hours. And in the end, you can produce content. You have, you know, something to, to share around. And, and, and for me, it's more like the informal learning part, which is important rather than the formal trainings where, you know, you have to go out for three days on a seminar, um, once a year. No, learning has to happen 
every day on a daily basis it has to be incorporated in your daily work life um, if you want it to be effective uh, so I like this uh, the new ways to, uh, to 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 learn a bit every day so micro learning tools like you know um, uh, learning on your mobile on micro learning modules for example is really effective having you know more um, more more time and more flexibility to do informal learning uh, with uh, you know mentoring coaching peer-to-peer -peer learning I think is really important um, so yeah but I really I really think that it has become crucial for organizations to allow uh, people to learn really almost every day. Uh, in a world where, you know, skills only last five years before, you know, they become obsolete and you have to constantly retrain yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's also the type of thinking we try to instill in our clients and the corporate world, because sometimes it's super hard and you don't really have the culture of learning in these organizations. You don't have the culture of saying, OK, we're going to develop ourselves professionally and it's going to be an everyday thing and we're going to invest in 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 professional development um so it's it's you know it's starting uh, organizations are starting to understand the, the the power and the importance of this but it's it's still we're still at the very at the very beginning it's pretty much still formalized learning absolutely that's somehow water on our mills what we're always discussing also on the in the podcast uh, the importance of social informal or workplace learning so and perhaps also for our listeners so many are uh, L&D professionals trainers and so on of course a huge base in Germany some international so, so could you recommend some apps or let's say startups especially more in the lifelong or corporate learning field that people could look at just as an inspiration yeah of course so um as i said the startup we are peers is is really you know uh, a good a good start if you want to start peer-to-peer -peer learning in your organization um then i really like the startup if we're talking about more like Uh, the more traditional tools like the LMSs, mm. um, how you can, you know, reinvent the old style LMS. Uh, I like 360 Learning. Uh, 360 Learning because they they, they really uh, create an engagement platform. They call themselves a, a learning engagement and platform rather than the LMS. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, with uh, 360, for example, you can create your own courses and make sure that inside an organization, anyone can share uh, their knowledge and create courses very easily on the platform. So it really, uh, it encourages people to, uh, to, to share their knowledge, to share their experiences much more easily. Um, I also like, you know, everything you can do with, with VR, especially in retail, uh, you can do amazing things in, 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 in VR, training your staff, um, um, your sales staff or, um, in, 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 in virtual reality with startups like Uptail, uh, for example, we're doing amazing uh, work in creating, you know, completely new experiences and 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 that's the experiential learning we know that experiential mm. learning learning you know when you are emerged in 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 in, um, in an experience is much more efficient than just uh, watching and e-learning so that's also for me when you are an lnd professional that's also what we tell our clients look at what works you know look at uh, what we know about our brains what we know about how they learn what we know from cognitive neurosciences we know so many things and we know that being a passive learner has no 
almost no impact on on the retention on ret- on, on on how much information you will retain and so uh, create experiences or offer experiences that are engaging where your learner is going to be in an active mode so experiential learning learning by doing learning uh you know in 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 different types of situations where you you put your learners in an active position and and so the more active they will be the more they 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 learn no this is a very good point so uh we we had (laughs) we had already some podcasts on learning experience design Uh, like which is also let's say having this more modern approach of experiential learning paired with agile concept. So I think these are very good points. We perhaps can link some of the uh, podcasts we did. We even did some English ones. So Christoph, you 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 waved. <laughs> yeah, I, I have just one follow up question before okay. you rush to the next one. I just you mentioned um, this um, sharing of knowledge, uh, which I like very much. Do you have any any insights or experiences? What about sharing culture inside companies or even in in yeah universities or wherever? What about um, the culture of sharing your personal knowledge? Because um, Yeah, for this boomer gener- generation, maybe it has been a personal advantage uh, for years to have special knowledge, which makes you um, required in the company and appreciated by many people. And now there comes a culture of sharing all this and people may fear, oh, I become obsolete uh, because I share my knowledge with everyone and my knowledge is my Yeah, advantage. Um, do you see a change there in the culture? Maybe. I think. Uh, yeah, it's a very good question, actually. And I think, as you say, it's a, it's a matter of generations too. I think nowadays, yes, knowledge is power, but knowledge is everywhere. So basically, um, you can you you have, I mean, everything to gain to 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 share your knowledge and to 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 get someone to sh- to share theirs. Um, so w- what I've seen is that, you know, sometimes the company culture does a lot. You have companies where you are, you know, pushed to share your knowledge, where you say, you know, it's, 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 share, you, you have time, you, you're, you're giving the flexibility to do mentoring, reverse mentoring, uh, with, with, with the younger generations. Um, for me, it's really a matter of, of, of the company culture and which type of company culture you are in. And for example, I, I know of a great company, one of the biggest construction company in the world, Saint Gobain. Um, they are they have created a, a, a culture around learning and around learning as you know um, a celebration, you know, of of life. And so they celebrate learning inside the organization. They they create like entire weeks dedicated to learning where where people go and meet each other and learn from each other and learn from other external experts and it's really organized like a huge party basically <laughs> where people <laughs> want to go and there's a waiting list and everyone wants to go to this <clears throat> one week um, learning party and uh, and and so they, they really created this kind of uh, of celebration of learning And if you are in an organization like that where managers are pushing you to take time, you know, to take at least one hour per week to do that kind of peer-to-peer social um, learning, social exchange of knowledge, um, obviously you're going to be much more inclined to do it than in a company where this is absolutely not the culture. So I think the culture does everything. 
All right. So, so the one question what I always have, um, because we see this also in our, our clients, but also in the market. So the, the market of EdTech really now is pretty broad. So like in the past, we had an LMS, we had the authoring tool, this was it. So it was very simple. Now we have so many technologies. We have a lot of startups. I think this also the market in general is pretty uh, diversified. Yeah. So, um, so our approach is always tied out, look for real business problems and look how real attack could help you and drive this transformation. So, so, how, so what is your, your let's say, uh, your consulting wise words uh, uh, to, to, to companies, how to start engagements with attack uh, uh, companies or startups? Do you have any wise words there? So, yeah, first start with the why. I mean, mm. why do you want to digitize? Why do you want to work with edtech startups? I mean, wh what problems are you trying to solve? What kind of experiences you want to um, you want to build for your learners? Again, uh, you know, I think you should always think about the learning, the learning experience and, and put it at the core. Um, and as I said, and do not you know, forget that um, we, we, we know now we have the chance to live in a world where we have so much knowledge about how we learn. And so we should use that knowledge. And so, yeah, I mean, why do you want to digitize? What do you want to achieve with that? And then try to look for the technological solutions. But that that shouldn't be the drive. The drive should, should be, I don't know, improve the learning experience, for example. That seems like wonderful drive. And then say, okay, I want to improve the learning experience. I want to make my learners more engaged, more actively engaged in their learning, more motivated. How, how can I do that? And, and, and what are the tools? Where, what, what are the ways to do that? Um, and, um, and then look for the right tools. Uh, but it, you should always you know, start with the why and what you want to build up basically with, with that technology. And, um, and sometimes you know, that part is, uh, is, 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 is forgotten. And I think, um, I think you should always start with that. Uh, very good words. Uh, never start with technology, always with the problem and strategy. Yeah. yeah. So, and how do you help uh, companies or, or let's say uh, organizations with learn space with your with your team, with your organization? Perhaps you could highlight that a little bit. What you're doing there, this would be great. So sorry, there are construction work starting right now in my building. I hope you don't hear. <laughs> I don't them. hear anything. <laughs> no. Okay, perfect. So what we do basically to help um, organizations start first, we started to build a tool uh, to um, to diagnose where they stand. So we talk a lot about learning organizations because we think you know becoming a learning organization should be a goal uh, because when you are a learning organization when you look at the definition it's an organization that provides learning experiences that are effective that are relevant for today's world and for tomorrow and that are um, engaging for the learner so um so it, it, it's important to, uh, to 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 look at this and to say okay shouldn't that be the goal of any large company to offer uh, that kind of experience to their to their um to their employees so we built a tool where we have like lots of criteria what an organization like what what a learning organization looks like took we we took that from from the literature around and 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 then we we ask organizations to self assess on different levels so we send out a form uh, and we ask employees we ask managers we ask you know the board of directors 
um, to answer uh, some some questions about their organization and to self-assess and then say, okay, that's where you stand. And then we can give them um, a common uh, discussion um, basis with this assessment and say, that's where you stand, guys. You Your culture is really good, but, you know, the way you... Um, the way you train your people, your learning experiences can be improved. And then the skills that you teach can also be improved for today and tomorrow's world. And so we, we have these different levels and then they can assess and say, okay, that's where we need help with. Um, and each organization is different. Sometimes the culture is strong. Sometimes the learning experiences are strong, but the culture is really, really low. And so we, we then after this assessment, we, we help them in different ways. And we put them in touch with the right startups, with the right organizations so that they can, uh, they can move forward. Oh, no. I really love that because I think learning organization, I hope it rises again. But I think in the last years, corporate learning has pretty much focused on individual training, reskilling and so on. But this great works, more strategic approaches like Senshi or whatever, uh, Agaris from the 90s, I think it's, it's so important to have this more strategic approach and not just make one project after another. Uh, so talk Exactly. Right. Exactly. I think it's, it's important to have a, a broader vision. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very important to think about upskilling approaches, etc. And it's part of the learning organization scheme as we see it. But it's important to have a long-term, broader vision for the organization, um, and and have a commonly shared vision also. Because you know sometimes managers don't even share the L and D department's view or uh, on 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 how to train and how to you know how to provide great learning experiences. You know sometimes the L and D team has amazing ideas, but the managers won't adopt them. You know because they are in their funnel and then and 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 it's the same it's the same for the top management if if this vision is not drived by the top management i i don't i don't i don't even know how it's going to be possible you know it, it has to come from them too um so yeah that's that's basically what we try to uh to to instill to our clients mm -hmm. um maybe According to what you just said, um, looking in organizations and companies, and on the other hand, uh, we also have a large uh, education sector in the public area, so in countries or regions, and you are quite experienced as you traveled a lot through different countries, especially in Europe. How do you think um, will things change there? Because you have, for example, in public schools, you have a lot of teachers who are really professionals in in the, doing their job. So in teaching pupils, children and, and uh, young adults in the classroom. And um, now, especially in these COVID times, we, we saw that there is a shift and move to more digital um, platforms and technologies. But it's just what you said that you should avoid to start with technology, but they had now to start with technology. What are your experiences with um Yeah, with countries and, and the public sector, how um, teachers can be um, yeah, upskilled and, and teach in using uh, digital learning technologies? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, uh, and, and you know, it really depends on, on the countries. As you say, you know, in, in Germany, in France, in Western Europe, we started to use technology with, with the COVID crisis because we had to. And it's great because it started lots of conversations. And I think it had a... It had a positive impact, but you know, it it has been done uh, completely in a completely 
crazy messy way because teachers weren't trained they didn't know how to do it so it was completely messy last year it was a it was a complete chaos so, but it created some curiosity for it and it so i think it, it had a positive impact but you know it's not always done the right way i mean first of all you know teachers are not well equipped enough uh they uh they you know they're not they're not trained enough so i think you know the, the teacher training part is the most important one and 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 countries nations tend to invest more in the hardware than in the than than in the teacher training and you know the software comes in between but you know it's it's not ideal too so what i think is really forget the hardware um is it you know what's important is you know having an internet access that's 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 for sure and i know in germany the digital the digital pact is is basically trying to do that so it's a first step first that's the first step the infrastructure but the hardware isn't that important and isn't that interesting so in france five years ago we had this huge uh, hardware boom and, and and the ministry of education said you know we have to put hardware everywhere and so they invested billion billions of euros just to put tablets in every kid's hands and i was like what is this is this is completely um, you know inefficient you i mean that's not as how you should think of this you know um, tablets are not going to solve anything um and and so tablets arrived massively in schools and and teachers didn't even know how to handle them so most of them just stayed in the in boxes uh, and and so you know i think the hardware strategy is completely you know completely inefficient i'm not saying that uh, we should all become byod countries the bring your own device countries like australia for example who has like a a nationwide byod strategy uh, i think it's a great strategy personally especially for developing uh, i mean countries that are completely developed although you should still have uh you know a certain number of of of, of hardwares um available in the school for those who don't have access to it because digital divide is is something that is happening in our countries in france in germany in australia so that should be something you should be careful about but you know the pure hardware strategy is is completely completely <laughs> but yeah no uh, having a teacher training strategy teach trainer t train teachers first uh, about the, the the usage of of technology about the added value of using technology about uh, about everything it can be it can it can do for the teacher um and that that that's an amazing strategy and uh and i, I haven't seen a nationwide uh, teacher training strategy get but um but you know for me it, it it should be the first thing you think about is train teachers and then give them idea of what they want to do with technology and then let them decide what uh what they want which tools they want to use and in france we're now lobbying um for having you know um, um a check for, for for giving a check to every teacher in the country so with that check they can decide what hard what what software because the hardware um is oftentimes present in schools now but uh, you know the the what kind of software they want to buy with that check and and let them decide because obviously they are the ones using it in the end so they they have to decide which tools they want to use. So I really strongly believe in that in that idea of, of, of the ed tech check and giving each teacher the, the opportunity to decide um, what they want to do with it. Yeah, very good points. 
we already have already half an hour in our talk. So, Christoph, do you have any questions further? Because usually you also ask some personal questions, let's say. Yeah, go ahead. Otherwise, or do you have any questions to, to, to ask, uh, Svenja? Uh, or we could talk for one hour or so, like always, uh, more. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we should definitely talk for one hour. Yeah. No, but it's uh, no, it's always interesting to share to share ideas and compare what's what's being done in different uh, countries and getting inspired by by one another. So, um, so yeah. No, thank you so much for uh, for the for the invitation. Um, and um, and yeah, if you want to know more about my work, just go on, on the EdTech Tours uh, website. You'll find everything. And I've, mm -hmm. I've also published in, in German, so there are some articles and oh, okay, cool. speakers. Yes, yes. So everything's on the on the blog. And uh, perhaps a personal question. So uh, how do you learn best? Uh, and uh, what is on your list uh, this year? Me, for example, I try to make a to-learn list every year. So do, do you have something like that or at least what you, how you learn this, something you can share? Yeah. Um, well, um, I think I learn best when I'm, you know, when I'm meeting people and when I'm uh, in the discussion, basically. And that's why I love to travel and to meet all these great, uh, uh, the, these great innovators across the globe. It's really, you know, in the discussion, in the debate that I, that I learn uh, best, obviously, you know, some skills, Uh, are hard to learn this way, uh, but that's 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 how that's how I like to to learn in in, in discussion. Um, but yeah, I don't have a list of what I want to learn this year. Uh, but I, I I I love the idea of learning how to learn, and um, we have a training on on this topic for our clients, learning how to learn because that's one of the top skills right now you know when you look at the latest uh, uh, world economic forum report the future of jobs report you see that in the top 10 skills um uh the, the it, to have to stay employable um you have in number two the ability to learn and 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 so Learning how to learn is is key because when you once you know how to learn, then you can learn anything. So it's it's really interesting, and that, that's what I'm getting trained right now on. Uh, so I, I'm following uh, MOOCs and courses to uh, to to understand more how our brain works and how uh, the psychology of learning works. Uh, to then um, to then give trainings and and teach uh, teach my clients about the topics. That's for me the the one of my favorite topics at the moment. That's a very good point, Christoph. We never had a podcast on that subject, learning to learn. It's an evergreen, no, we, yeah. We somehow, need to do, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it never gets old. It's always important. And uh, I was just thinking the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, how do you keep up to date? So, any resources uh, where you follow, which you follow for EdTech, perhaps also in a European perspective, what you could share? Yeah. So we of course share your blog, your your, your book, uh, the LearnSpace website. But how how do you inform yourself uh, on EdTech? What's going up? Yeah, there are lots of great sources. Like EdSurge uh, is yeah. a US source that I really like. Um, then you have uh, the data intelligence company Holon IQ. I don't know if you heard of it, but they're doing amazing job in mapping. Um, you know what's happening in ed tech and uh, education across the globe. 
uh, and they're they're producing amazing reports that you can find on their website holonaiq.com um and um and yeah and i you know i could also share with you some some newsletters uh that i that i follow if you want uh, i can yeah, cool. share a list um yeah 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 lots of great resources out there yeah it's getting more like bright-eyed mentors i just sticked out so that's a good research more from a funding perspective but that's interesting but uh yeah all right cool so i think i'm due with the questions what i noted down uh christoph do you have anything else I'm fine as well. Everything I would ask now would lead us into one more hour, I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> a cool topic or whatever. Yeah, maybe one day we have the chance to make a follow-up. Yeah, but perhaps just one final question. So I, I think if you, if you look at, let's say, the top 100 startups in Germany or in, in other European countries, we don't see attacks, uh, attack often on uh amongst there but but we probably especially we three we believe that it's so important especially for the society but also for wealth yeah uh, so so what can we do as listeners uh, to, to 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 boost that yeah somehow do you have any ideas yeah of course okay. yeah Bring the word out, uh, yeah I, I think you know it's important to uh um, to give uh, smaller companies a chance, you know, especially when you are L&D managers, you know, working in larger companies, it's easier to go to the larger companies and ask for help than to go to, you know, the smaller ones. And I think it's important to, even if it's just a pilot project, you know, an experimentation to give edtech startups a chance. And uh, you have great startups in Germany. And, um, and you know, I'm sure if you go to, uh, to, to organizations like Eduvation in Germany, which is like uh, an organization helping startups uh, in edtech uh, develop themselves, grow. If you go to uh, to someone like like Tobias, the head of education, he will you know give you uh, the the insights and say, okay, this startup is is made for you. You have this problem, maybe this product, this this startup can help, and then start projects, start experimenting with 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 startups. So, but it's it's a matter of culture again. Culture is, is everything. If you have the culture of experimentation, of innovation, then you'll be much more inclined to. Uh, to go towards these kinds of um, of, of, of collaborations, um, but often you know both sides learn a lot from it. So uh, that's what I would recommend. All right, yeah, great wise last words. So a call to action to all listeners: uh, try it out. So we also portray, but we'll further portray some startups also here in the podcast. But you can go to the sources we list in the show note. All, all right, thanks so much, uh, Svenja, for your time. So I think thank you we can come to an end. So wishing all of you and uh, all dear listeners a great further day. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.